Australia's podcast series. I'm your host, Anna Mackay. Thank you for sharing your time to listen to this episode. These recordings are from the regular one-hour free webinars that I run, which I invite you to attend if you haven't already. They take you through how surrogacy works in Australia, including how to find a surrogate or intended parents. There are opportunities to ask questions and you hear from a co-host each time about their own journey. This episode, recorded in July 2023, was different to the standard webinars as it featured psychologist Katrina Hale. Katrina is a psychologist and infertility counsellor with over 25 years counselling experience. She is passionate about surrogacy and a strong supporter of all walks of the community that wish to create a family through surrogacy or assisted reproduction. She is committed to helping intended parents and surrogates and their partners successfully navigate their surrogacy journey together. If you'd like to arrange your own session with Katrina, you can find her at katrinahalepsychology.com.au. In this episode, we explore how love languages look for surrogacy teams and how best to plan for them. The five love languages are five different ways of expressing and receiving love. They are words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Before listening to this podcast, I recommend you take the quiz to find out your own main love language. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thank you. Anna sent out like a link to the love languages quiz. Anna, can you see the chat? I can, yes. It's not mandatory to, to respond, but um, yeah, if you can just put a yes or a no, if you had a moment to sort of fill that out, just so I can see uh, who, or or if you know what your love language is personally. Yay, lots of yeses. <laughs> this is great. Oh, that's fantastic. Okay, so we've got uh, lots of people who know what their love language is, which makes it, that makes this more meaningful doing this, um, if you actually you know, have that, that personal sort of knowledge of, of what your love language is. So, okay, so first of all, I want to um, pay credit to the person who came up with the concept of the love, love languages, um, Gary Chapman, who wrote a book called The Five Love Languages, How to Express Heartfelt Commitment to Your Mate. You know, that was back in 1992, and it's a great theory. It's hung around, you know. We're in 2023 and love languages is still um, it's still very much relevant in relationship stuff. In this uh, webinar, I'm going to apply love languages uh, you know, specifically to surrogacy, how it can play out in, in surrogacy. So just a quick recap, obviously, the five love, love languages, acts of service, also known as tasks, receiving gifts, also known as tokens, quality time, also known as time, words of affirmation, also known as talk, physical touch, uh, also known as touch. I tend to sort of use the um, the five T's, which is touch, time, talk, tasks, and tokens. So I might slip into those, but I'm going to try and keep it to the love languages. So love languages in surrogacy. Um, so I've been doing uh, surrogacy counselling for about 10, 12 years now. And anybody who's sort of heard me talk about uh, surrogacy is, you know, I'm very much focused on surrogacy teams being a relationship. So even though the origin of love languages is really sort of in intimate relationships, intimate partnerships, romantic relationships. The love languages actually apply to all relationships in life. Obviously, we are with surrogacy, surrogacy teams being that relationship, you know, we need a 
effective communication. It's just important for relationship health. And what I've noticed over the years, because uh, like I used to uh, put more focus on, on love languages in, in, in the counselling, but, you know, the community I sort of, SAS sort of does, you know, love languages. I brought new things into my counselling. I, I noticed it sort of uh, slipped to the side a bit, which is one of the reasons why Anna and I are doing this webinar, just to sort of really consolidate that information into, into a resource that people can access. But one thing I've noticed over the years that I've been doing this is how significant the love languages are uh, in how they play out, you know, across the surrogacy journey um, and how, you know, when there is that love language alignment, it really does have a significant impact on team harmony. Previously, my focus was, was on the love languages being a way for intended parents to provide you know, and express you know, gratitude, appreciation, support, you know, to this to their surrogate and their and their partner using the love languages. But I've actually extended it further in actually looking at how that can go both ways. Uh, because it's also important for surrogates to know what their intended parents' love languages are, because you know, they can use the love languages to help intended parents feel included in the pregnancy and ways to sort of facilitate bonding you know, with their child in, in utero, you know, ways to make them feel like respected in, in their role as, as, uh, as parents. So it's really the love language for surrogates. It's, it, you know, it's a way that intended parents can make their surrogate feel supported and appreciated. And it's a way that surrogates can make their intended parents feel included and respected as, you know, in their role as parents. Yeah, when Anna and I were sort of preparing for this, this webinar, uh, we, we were sort of looking at like, how do we communicate, um, you know, all the different permutations that there can be in a relationship. So this is just a little snapshot. It's in no way comprehensive. But if we think of like the, let's say we're looking at one, one love language, let's say we're looking at touch, okay? We've got a ticket means that person that role has the love language if we have a cross it means that they don't if you're looking at us like a typical surrogacy group we can do surrogacy with a solo surrogate we can do surrogacy with a solo intended parent there's all the different combinations of that um, but you can see how you know across teams there can be so many different combinations uh, of who has that love language who doesn't, who has it in common, you know, is it, you know, do we have it where the surrogate and, and her partner, they have that in their relationship, but then none of the intended parents have it, or there's one of each, or there's, you know, three and one, or nobody has it whatsoever. So you can sort of see how complex this can get. Just give you a few examples of how differences in love languages can play out in relationships. Now, these are not surrogacy specific. So these are, are just in, in any sort of relationship I mean, these are in friendships, these are in, in sort of more intimate relationships. Let's say we've got a time person and a talk person, okay, and they are friends, okay, so they catch up for a coffee one day. They have a coffee, they spend some time together, and they chat about a whole range of things, okay, they just, they just natter on, you know, for, for the hour. At the end of that, the time person is going to come away feeling really satisfied. It's like, oh, it was so good to spend some time with my friend. Oh, we, we just chatted. I can't remember what we talked about. It, it was just so good to hang out and catch up and spend some time with them. Now, the talk person, they might come away from that going, oh, my God, we sat there for an hour. They talked nonstop. Do you think once 
they sort of acknowledged anything meaningful? You know, do you think once they sort of acknowledged how much effort it took me to get there or wished me a happy birthday or you know, <laughs> apologised for being late, you know, it's like going, no, they just chatted nonstop. What a waste of time. You know, so same activity, two friends, but they can have entirely different perceptions of it. You know, if we look at you know, how that might play out in a, you know, in, in a sort of a talk environment, because talk is not just the spoken words, talk can be the written words as well. If you have a talk person, you can send them a text in the morning. You know, it's like, good morning. I think, you know, love you, love your work, keep it up. You're the best person in the world. Okay. That brief text for a talk person, that will sustain them. Those words will sustain them for the rest of the day. That's just what they needed to hear. Send that text to a time person and they're like, <laughs> like what's this? Like, well, that take you like 30 seconds getting on the bus. Talk's cheap. Give me a phone call. <laughs> like, spend some time with me. The intentions can be good, but they can just miss, you know, if those love languages aren't in alignment. If we have a I'm person and a tasks person, you know, let's say they're, you know, they're a, a couple, they're at home, they're relaxing at the end of the day, they've cooked dinner, you know, they've eaten dinner. Our time person, they might go and sit on the lounge, okay? So they're like, I am waiting here to spend time with my partner. I want to spend some time relaxing with my partner, watching, you know, watching TV. I'm going to wait here for them to come. The tasks person you know, is there like, I just got to get this, these tasks done, you know, so that then I can go and spend time with my partner. But they're feeling a little bit resentful as they're doing the tasks. They're like, hmm, would be nice if they came and helped me, then we could spend some more time together. But, you know, but we've got our time person sitting there going, oh, I get it. I can see how they want to spend their time. They want to spend their time on the washing up. So <laughs> washing is up, up more important to them to me, because that's what they want to spend their time on. So, uh, so again, you know, we've got good intentions, but a mismatch there. If we have a tasks person and a tokens person, we might have a tasks person who is, you know, they're busy, they're overwhelmed, they're really stressed, they've got too much on their plate. Their tokens partner notices that, can see that they're stressed out, can see that they're overwhelmed, and they think, I'm going to do something nice for them. I'm going to do something so that they know how much I see them and appreciate them and recognize the stress that they're under. I'm going to buy them a bunch of flowers. Okay. Task person opens the door. There's the bunch of flowers. It's been delivered and they look at them and they go, great, another job. Now I've got to put the stupid things in water. You know, <laughs> it's like, why didn't my partner just come and do the washing up or help me out with something, take a task off my to-do list? Uh, again, good intentions, mismatch in sort of how they were received. I wonder how many couples are sitting listening there tonight. I was just thinking that. <laughs> how many people are nodding their heads going, oh, my goodness, you, yeah, you just saw it inside my house. Like you just <laughs> my lounge room. Yes. So, okay, so now I want to look specifically at how love languages can play out um, in surrogacy relationships. The examples that I'm going to give you, they're in no way um, comprehensive. Uh, these are just a couple of points, just to sort of give examples of, of, of how it can work. So the first love language that we're going to look at is the acts of service, the tasks. Okay. So again, we're looking at how that can go both ways. So for the surrogate and her partner, love languages are a way uh, for intended parents to make the surrogate and her partner feels supported and appreciated. It's when it goes the other way, it's the way for a surrogate 
to make her intended parents feel included in the pregnancy and respected, you know, as the, as the parents of the child that she's carrying. All of these examples are for when the love language is present. Okay, so this is talking about someone who identifies as having uh, tasks, you know, as one of their love languages. For most people, there's five love languages. Most people have two or three, you know, which are their primary love languages. Some people might be able to identify like, you know, this is number one, this is number two, this is number three. Often people who are sort of very empathic, they, they're like, oh, I, I, you know, I'm sort of all of them. But that's often because they're very good at tuning into other people's. And they're also very good at recognizing other people's love languages. You know, so for example, you know, they might be actually a tasks person, but when someone gives them a bunch of flowers, you know, they're like, I can recognize and appreciate what they meant by that. I'm delighted with the bunch of flowers. You know, I would have preferred something else, but yeah, I can tune into, you know, I can tune into what they're expressing. So it doesn't miss the mark with that. So for an example, if we have a surrogate and or, you know, her partner uh, who is uh, acts of service or task, us, then those things like, you know, alleviating the domestic and the childcare burden, okay? Uh, for people who are, you know, their love language is acts of service, doing things, uh, making something, fixing something, uh, providing practical su support, doing a job. Uh, an acts of service person, you know, when that happens, it feels like love to them. It feels like support. People who aren't acts of service, they're just chores. They're just things that need to be done. You know, they don't have that emotional meaning to them. Okay, so if if the surrogate you know, and or her partner, uh, you know, is is tasks, then the things that are appreciated, the things that demonstrate that support and appreciation, you know, making her life easier, easing that burden. So things that you can do is is like you know, doing those useful, helpful, practical things without being asked. Not just not just asking. Can anybody guess what leukemia? is any guesses in the chat you all gonna laugh when you hear it let us know if you need anything <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 alex and courtney well done <laughs> so, so yeah so it's, it's it's you know not just that sort of like common throwaway line of like oh let us know if you need anything do something you know it, it's like actually just get in and do it you know it's like a task person it's like they don't mind, you know, they don't mind what you do, mm. do it. Trying to think without. of that chore list and just coming up with ideas or even trying to name them. I can think of these three things to do, you know, is one, pick one that's helpful. Yeah, it, it's it's like, would you like me to take your garbage out? Would you like me to do your washing up? You know, would you like me to bring in your washing? Would you like me to do this, you know, uh, instead of like, oh, is there anything you want me to do? <laughs> you know? So for intended parents, being you know, a, a way to feel included, a way to feel respected, you know, in, in their role of, of, as the parents is to have ways of, of expressing their support, you know, to have ways of expressing their parenting, basically, because the parental instinct is, is uh, care, protect and nurture. For intended parents, they're not carrying the baby themselves. Their surrogate is carrying their, their baby, you know, for them to express that, that, that parental instinct uh, through providing, you know, care, protection and nurture for their surrogate is a way of them expressing their parenting. It's a way of them expressing that parental instinct. So for a surrogate who might not be tasks herself, it's really letting your intended parents 
do those little things for you, even if you technically don't need it. Okay, let them participate, let them be involved, let them express their acts of service you know, towards you. You're providing that support. It is an expression of their parenting. You know, it's also an expression of their care and support for their surrogate. So let them do it through those acts of service. Things to avoid, you know, with someone who's acts of service, not following through on commitments to provide practical support, because that's basically, again, like I said, those acts of service, it, it feels they're significant. They're not just little tasks. You know, they've got an emotional, emotional meaning to them. You know, so not following through on those commitments to provide that practical support, it's an emotional letdown. It feels like support, appreciation, gratitude, you know, wasn't there, you know, even though it was a task that didn't get done, but it feels like it feels like a, a, an emotional thing was was missed, not a practical thing was missed. Also, for sort of someone who's who's I mean, this this is sort of a, a common thing for human beings, but particularly for, for surrogates, you know, uh, not asking for help out of a concern for, for feeling like a burden, like particularly if you know that your intended parents are tasks, it's to sort of not ask for help, not let them sort of express themselves, you know, to, to demonstrate those acts of, acts of service. You're really denying them the opportunity to sort of show their love and, and care and appreciation and support for you. It's really handy, I think, to, to hear these things and to think about it from both sides of the team here. It's not just things an intended parent can do to support their surrogate, but it's really considering the team. And I can just imagine teams would be have had such a deeper level of connection if everybody's considering each other. A recipe for a you know great connection there. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, this is, you know, it's, it's like, like I said, this extended extended concept, it's like only recent for me to sort of yeah, extend the, the concept of this. So, um, so yeah, words of affirmation, also called talk. Of all the love languages, this is the hardest one, you know, for people who aren't talk, this is the hardest one to sort of get right if, if you're not a talk person. People who are talk, they just get it. They just, they just know what it is, okay? So to try and sort of explain what, what talk is, talk is, is very much like having, you know, a cheer squad, okay? It's someone who, you know, it, it's like, you know, for a surrogate and a partner, like that cheer squad concept is really, you know, I've got people who are providing that, you know, verbal or that written, you know, encouragement, appreciation. And that then, you know, is interpreted as emotional support. You know, they see what I'm doing. They notice what I'm doing. Are sort of, you know, cheering me on with that. And remember that uh, words of affirmation, they're not just spoken. You know, they can be written, you know, so they can be texts, you know, like sending, you know, encouraging words or validating words. You know, they can be cards, you know, they can be letters, uh, you know, they can be social media posts. One of the things that uh, Anna and I were talking about, you know, social media posts could go either way. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes what can happen with words of affirmation, uh, people might tell other people. It's like, say, I might be an intended parent. And I might tell other people, oh, you know, our surrogate, you know, she's the most amazing person in the world. She's so generous. You know, she's such a kind person. It's like she's always thinking of, of other people. It's like we, we just appreciate her so much. They're telling everybody they know, you know <laughs> these wonderful words about their surrogate, but they never put them into words, you know, for their surrogate. And if she's talk, she wants to hear them because mm. they get 
that's the cheer squad. You know, it's like, oh, that's lovely that you think I'm a kind, wonderful, generous, caring person who's always looking after other people. Okay, mm-hmm. let me tell you about something with talk. You know, if you if you give those words to a talk person, they feel emotionally supported. You know, they feel validated. They feel appreciated. But what they'll say to you is, oh, you don't need to say that. <laughs> like, you know, no, it's like, oh, no, it's like, you don't, you don't need to tell me that. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Tell me more. Yeah, I didn't just say that. So it's like, no, do not, do not take the the, the being dismissed literally. It's it's like when they received, then they get to be dismissed. But if they're not received, there's nothing to dismiss. Okay, Mm -hmm. so when they get dismissed, you know that's because the person's emotional cup is full. So yeah, social media posts. This was something that Anna and I were talking about. It's like if I'm talk and then I'm a surrogate and I'm talk and then my Tended parents write a glowing post on social media with all these lovely words about me, you know, that they've never, ever said directly to me. It's like, I'm, that's not going to be so meaningful for me. To me, that's going to be like, oh, you're actually trying to make yourself look good. It's like, because you're giving these words to other people, not to me, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, you know, it's like, I would rather have them given to me directly than see, than read them. On, on a social media post. So it's it's sort of, like I said, talk is a very, very tricky one. For in, if we've got intended parents, you know, who are talk, then it's really expressing verbal appreciation, you know, for the support that's given if they're doing tasks, if they're doing, if they're doing things, uh, you know, if they're organizing things, if they're booking appointments, if they're just there you know it's really just putting it into words you know thank you so much for organizing that I really appreciate that you're making this easy for me uh thank you so much for 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 taking good care of me thank you so much for the emotional support that you give me it's like I I really really appreciate I really really appreciate you you know you are fantastic intended parents also encouraging and validating their future parenting you are going to be great parents you know, you are going to be the best parents. Like your kid is so lucky. The way you're setting up the nursery, it is like so cute. It's like, I am so into it. It's really just, again, providing that cheer squad the other way. You know, the cheer squad concept is, is really, often it's it's just sort of describing what the person is doing that you're happy about. Things to avoid with words of affirmation. There's a concept of sort of like, Talk is cheap. That a talk person, it's like they're needy. You know, they need their 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 ego stroke. You know, why do I need to like you know pump them up all the time? You know, why do I need to sort of stroke their ego? You know, all the time. But if we think about it, if we compare uh, those sort of words, uh, you know, to sort of like a hug, you know, they're a form of support. You know, we can understand that someone might need. A daily hug. So why is it unreasonable, that, you know, that they might need daily words of encouragement? It's sort of like, no, I gave you a hug six months ago, you know, when I told you that I thought you were amazing. Why do you need another one? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, you got one six months ago. So yeah, you can't just so needy and demanding. <laughs> so uh, yeah, it's like, that's just, you know, it's, it's a love language, you know, someone who doesn't like hugs, they're like, yeah, one, six months ago, that was cool with me. It's like, <laughs> I'm, good, I'm good for six months. So <laughs> the other thing, again, it, like, you know, talk is the hardest one to coach. Okay. People who aren't talk, it's the hardest one to coach. And often people who 
who aren't talk, who doesn't come naturally to, it's like they're like, I don't know what to say. You know, it's like I don't know how to put it into words, you know, so I sort of say nothing. But sometimes just saying something, having a go, you know, uh, or sometimes even even sort of saying like, I really, I really want to tell you how much I appreciate you, but I, I don't know what words to say. It's like I, I just can't, I just can't really describe how I'm feeling. That's putting it into words. Yeah. You know? So, so you know, so yeah, so it's it's like have a go. You know, say something rather than nothing. Yeah. Even if it's echoing back the things you see them doing, because um, then it's a form of recognition that oh, you do see all the things that I do around. Yeah, yeah. Again, sometimes it can be that sort of thing of, of like describing you know what you see the person doing. Okay, so physical touch. So this one's a really interesting one in surrogacy. I'm going to focus it very much on sort of something specific, you know, which is which is around touching and talking to a pregnant belly. In surrogacy, you know, we have the, the surrogate and, you know, she's going to be sort of, you know, carrying the, carrying the baby. Uh, so there's a concept I, I call like my body. You know, I'm the surrogate, it's my body, but I'm carrying your baby. You know, I'm carrying, you know, my intended uh, parent's baby. So it's my body but it's their baby inside me. And then for the intended parents side, you know, it's like there's that respect, you know, it's it's like that's your body, you know, but our baby's in there, you know. So it's an unusual sort of, we have an unu- very unusual boundary there because if I'm a surrogate and I'm touch and my partner is touch and I am carrying my own baby, then because uh, physical touch is my love language, you know, it's going to be meaningful me, for me to form a relationship, to form a bond with my child in utero through touching, you know, my pregnant belly because I'm touching my child. I'm having a physical interaction, a, a, you know, a loving physical interaction with my child and I'm, I'm forming that bond with my child. I also might talk, you know, to, to my child with that. Not necessarily talk, talk, you know, it's, it's like touching and talking to my belly, you know, but touch you know, touching, touching my pregnant belly. If my partner is touched, then, you know, we might be cuddled up together so that, you know, they might be able to feel the kicks or something. Again, we're in an intimate relationship, you know, so, so them touching my belly, it's part of the intimacy of our relationship. You know, we already have that closeness in our touch boundaries. So, and it's, you know, it's significant for us as a couple as to how we express care and support and bonding with each other. So it's meaningful for us, you know, as a couple, you know, to do that. So if I'm a surrogate and and my love language is touch, then I will most likely, it will be meaningful for me, you know, to sort of touch a pregnant belly as a way of forming a parental bond, uh, you know, with, with a baby in utero. So we're not talking about sort of strangers in shopping centres, okay? But some people, you know, some people, even though they would not touch a stranger in a shopping centre, you know, they just relate to having an impulse. It's meaningful for them. You know, it's like, well, I see a pregnant woman. I don't just see a pregnant woman. It's like there's a little baby in there. Like it would almost be rude of me, you know, not to go and say hello, not to go and sort of shake the baby's hand, you know, so, uh, you know, not to introduce myself, you know, to, to the baby and sort of go, oh, hi, I'm acknowledging that you're in there, you know, through mm-hmm. through touch. So if we have intended parents, okay, who are touch, then if they were carrying their own child, there would be absolutely no restriction on them expressing their parental bonding, their parental relationship, their care and nurture 
for their baby, you know, through touch, you know, through touching their own pregnant belly or touching their partner's, you know, pregnant belly. You know, that's a, that would be a meaningful way for them to express that parental bonding, that pregnancy connection, to express that love and care and nurture for their child. But if their surrogate is pregnant with their child, then we've got a boundary there, which has to be negotiated because you sort of, it's not really, you know, the sort of done things and sort of just go up and start touching someone's belly. <laughs> you know, if everybody's, if everybody shares touch, you know, then, uh, you know, that can be, you know, that's sort of almost like intuitive because if a surrogate's touch, you know, then it's like, well, for me, you know, it's going to be meaningful. I'm going to want my intended parents to come and touch my belly because that's going to demonstrate to me that they are bonding with their child. You know, if a surrogate is touched and her intended parents aren't touched, there's the risk where, you know, she she's like, they don't want to sort of interact with their child. They don't want to bond with their child, you know, and it's all, it's like, it's okay, little baby. I'm sure they're going to give you lots of cuddles, you know, when, when you come out. Yeah, you know, because surrogates, they really need to sort of outsource that parental bonding. I need my intended parents to demonstrate that they are bonding with their child. You know, I need them to demonstrate that to me. So yeah, everybody's touch. You know, we can sort of navigate that in terms of sort of like that my body, your baby, your body, our baby. You know, it's like, how are we going to do this? You know, some surrogates are like, come up and like anytime you want, come and touch. Others, you know, it, it might be like, well, yeah, maybe ask first. Or sometimes intended parents are like going, this looks like a, even though she says I can touch anytime, there's no way that I'm just going to go up and touch. It's like, I'm always going to ask. But, you know, it's meaningful for everybody. Where it gets tricky is when there's that disparity. You know, if we, like I said, if we've got a surrogate who is, is touched and her intended parents aren't, then it's, it's like, it's meaningful for me. I sort of need them to, to demonstrate their bonding to me, but it's, that's not a meaningful way for intended parents to, to demonstrate their bonding. So that's where, you know, if we've got that situation, that's really where, you know, we've sort of got those things to, to avoid that sort of touching without enthusiasm. It's sort of like, if you're invited, you know, and it's usually like, oh, the baby's kicking, there's something going on, you know, would you like to touch? It's like, even if you're not touched, if you're invited and it's a reasonable invite, in, 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 invite, be enthusiastic. Give that interest. You know, give that interest in what the baby's doing in there. If we have uh, an intended uh, a surrogate who's not touched, okay, and her intended parents are touched, this one, yeah, you know, it's like every single intended parent that I've spoken to, they're like, we will respect her boundaries. We will respect that there's a no touch boundary there unless we're invited, unless we're specifically invited in. But how that leaves intended parents, you know, it's like with a sense of yearning, you know, I really want to touch. It would be meaningful for me to touch. You know, it's, it's like I can sort of feel, feel it, but I'm going to respect her boundaries. You no, know, so I'm not going to. So again, it's sort of if you have if you're a surrogate and you know, you know that your intended parents are touch, it can be th thinking like, is there a way you know that I can be comfortable with giving them an opportunity 
you know, to sort of connect with their baby in, in that way? Can I invite them to touch, you know, if there's something interesting going on? Can it be that you know, we just have that physical proximity to the pregnancy uh, mm-hmm. that we can sort of, you know, be together? Uh, you know, maybe that they can sort of see me express, expressing that touch, you know, to their child in, in utero. Yeah. Oh, just that it can be, this can be so, again, powerful for teams that just, having these conversations of saying where you feel uncomfortable and what doesn't come naturally and expressing needs on both Mm. sides of the team there, Mm. it couldn't create more harmony down the track as opposed to why she's so standoffish to us. Well, it turns out that's not her love language. So it's not that she doesn't like you and doesn't want, and is that, oh, is she going to keep the baby because she's not letting us near it? No, it just, yeah, like, like, again, it might not have been something that she sort of did with her own child. Yeah, we've also sort of got, like, if we've got surrogate's partner, you know, who's, who's touch, yeah, is it going to be meaningful for, for them? Little babies, like a guest in, in their house, you know? So it's like if someone else's child came over to stay, would they be sort of, you know, show that affection, that physical, you know, you know hugs and sort of physical affection, you know, to, to a child who was coming to stay? It's like, it's not my baby, but it's like, hey, little baby, how are you doing in there? You know, like, are you okay? Are you okay? You know, because it's just a, a meaningful way of interacting. We've also got the touch boundary between, you know, how does the surrogate's partner feel about the intended parents touching in that more intimate zone of their partner? Let's just sort of look at boundaries between everybody here. Um, so, yeah, so touch is, touch is sort of unique as a love language is in, in surrogacy because we're crossing partner boundaries in that team relationship. Mm. Um, so, okay, another, uh, you know, one which can be a bit controversial. Gifts is, gift giving is, it's not so much controversial. It's more like it is the one that people will least admit to having. You know, I don't know how it comes up on the quiz, uh, but when I sort of talk to people about what love, language, love language they think they might have, there's very few people who enthusiastically admit to being tokens, okay, because it goes into that thing of what I've got there, things to avoid. It's like, oh, people who like tokens are div- divas or materialistic. Oh, they, you know, they just like, they just like getting gifts. They just like stuff. Tokens, it's not a materialistic thing. It's if we think about it as more as a token of appreciation, something, uh, an item, you know, or a gift or something which represents, it represents that support and appreciation. You know, it represents sentiment. You know, it, it represents something, something meaningful. You know, it's like I saw this and I thought of you. This token reminds me of, you know, that experience we, we shared together. You know, I really appreciate what, what you did. Here, have a box of chocolates. They're tokens which represent, okay, they represent love, uh, uh, you know, love, affection, appreciation, support, uh, you know, being appreciated, gratitude, you know, ways of, you know, feeling included, you know, feeling respected, okay. So if we've got a surrogate, you know, and or her partner, you know, who identify their love languages as, as tokens, as intended parents, you can find out, you know, what she and or her partner like what do they like to eat what do they like to drink you know is it cheese or chocolates you know is it is it red wine or white wine you know pregnant surrogates obviously aren't drinking so you know like, what's her favorite ginger beer to quell the nausea um, you know, what's a treat for them is it flowers candles soap small gifts you know things like that you know something that can be you know spontaneous so it, it's it's not sort of like you did this I'll give you a gift that's that's sort of where it's sort of it's more like 
oh, it's a payment. You know, it, it's it's more that sort of spontaneous thing. And another way is is uh, you know, if someone is tokens, then you know, turning up with sort of gifts and treats for the kids is going to be meaningful. Oh, it's like oh, you're into my kids. Like yeah, you, you're appreciative of, of my kids. You notice my kids. You recognize my kids because you you know you give them those gifts and treats and things. But an intended parent is. Uh, gifts or, or tokens, then it can be, you know, mementos, ultrasound scans, you know, it can be the pee on a stick, <laughs> you know, in a gift box. <laughs> it could be buying like a trinket uh, which represents the baby, you know, so that then it's it's like it's something for the intended parents, you know, to sort of to have and to hold and to carry with them. Uh, you know, which which is like, you know, that's a symbolic representation of the baby. You know, you're carrying our baby. It's the surrogate going, you know, here's here's something that I'm going to give to you, you know, from me, you know, that, that then you can carry and keep with you, which is, you know, that sort of tangible sort of representation of, of the pregnancy. We can swap them at the end, you know, so <laughs> you know, the baby can go to the intended parents. And then that uh, talisman, which the intended parents carried around for the entire pregnancy, that's now very, very meaningful, you know, and they can then give that to their surrogate, you know, as a, as a, a gift at the end that she then gets to take that home and she keeps that forever. So, you know, it's that sort of swapping of the tokens. So, you know, so as you can see, tokens and gifts, they're not just sort of like birthday presents. They're symbolic, you know, they're talismans a, a lot of the time. The other thing is, is like if there's a, a, a baby shower, you know, or, or at, at birth, you know, to, to actually sort of you know, give that gift, that, that recognition, uh, transition into parenting through the sort of the, the tradition of sort of gift giving, you know, to, to new parents as well. You're giving them, a, yes, you're giving them the baby. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty significant gift. Big so gift. <laughs> it doesn't need to be a big one. Doesn't need to be a big one. It's, you know, it's just that that token, you know, mm. which is that's an act of friendship. You know, I'm giving my friends who mm. just had a baby a gift, the same as I would give my other friends, you know, who, who had a had a baby. I just happened to be the person who carried in birth that particular baby. Yes. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, that's thoughtful and shows that you know them and their love language to give them a small gift too. Okay, so someone asked, yeah, it's like, you know, I can imagine gifts and tokens can be tricky to navigate in an altruistic surrogacy environment. The way I do it, is it a token uh, of appreciation or is it a material incentive or reward? Very, very easy. I agreed to be a surrogate. I agreed to carry someone's baby for nine months, you know, and push that baby out of my vagina or have that baby cut surgically out of me for a bunch of flowers, Uh, (laughs) for a new dressing gown, for a pair of shoes, for a seafood dinner, for a weekend away. I did all, I, I did all of that, you know, carried a baby for, you know, you know, spent all that, all that time and energy doing the legals and the counselling and the paperwork and, and doing IVF and, and, uh, you know, carrying a baby and, and birthing that baby for a weekend away. Does it add up? Does it feel balanced? You know, if it doesn't feel balanced, it's a token. It's a token of appreciation. I agreed to do all that for a new car. It's starting to balance there, you know, depending on what type of car it is. Okay. You know, <laughs> uh, you know I agreed to do that for a, a trip to Disneyland for my family, you know, for, for me, me and my three kids. You know, it's like, a, yeah, we're definitely 
getting in the range where it's feeling like compensation. You know, it's it's feeling like, yeah, the things are in balance. So that's a really, really you know, easy way to do it, to, to sort of go, it might not have been strictly necessary. It wasn't an appointment, you know, it wasn't maternity clothing, it wasn't, you know, strictly pregnancy or surrogacy related, but was it just a sweetener? Okay. You know, was it just a treat? Was it just a token? You know, and that's a really, really easy formula to do it. Does it add up? You know, does it, would anyone with common sense go, oh yeah, I can see why she did that now. Yeah. Yeah. Because if others find out that she got a car or a trip to Disneyland, you know, what if you said it to other people, would they go, ah, that's compensation? But if they say, yeah, bunch of flowers every week, oh yeah, sign me up. You know, it's, it's, (laughs) oh yeah, I can, I can see what that was about. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Signed up for that tokens as well. There's that, that joy in, in giving gifts as, as well. You know, so I think one of the things that we had before was receiving them enthusiastically. It's like, if you're not tokens, but you know, you're with someone who is tokens and they, and they give you a gift. It's like, appreciate it you know, like know what it means to them that's their way of expressing you know their support or their appreciation so the final one is quality time so quality time you know that's about prioritizing someone in your time we all have 24 hours in our day and we get to choose how we spend that however we want you know so we've all got the same amount of time so it's it's like who and what do i give my time to who and what is my priority Okay, so if we have a surrogate and or her partner who are time, ways of making them feel supported and appreciated through time, if there's an appointment, let's say it's a scan, to not just make that about the business, you know, it's it's not just, oh, we, we have a medical appointment to go to, and that is purposeful. I'll meet you there five minutes before, we'll do the appointment, look, it should be finished by about quarter to 10, look, I'm really busy. So I'm going to have to get back to work or, you know, we'll fly in, you know, we'll attend the appointment, but then we're going to get, have to get straight back to the, back to the airport because we've got to get back. We're just doing the appointment for someone whose love language is quality time. Then it's like, oh yeah, we've got to attend the appointment, you know, but it's like, oh, I thought that was going to be an opportunity for us to spend some time together as well. You know, I thought that, yeah, I thought that, I thought you'd sort of want to spend some time with me at the same as well as getting the appointment you know as as well as getting the activity done I thought we could have lunch or maybe we could have a coffee you know maybe we could just hang out for a bit you know in addition to sort of adding time around those sort of activities you know there's also just spending non-surrogacy time together let's spend some time together where there's nothing surrogacy related to do you know, if, if I'm a time person, then that's really, really meaningful for me. You know, it's like, a, oh, you're not turning up to spend time with me because there's something to do surrogacy related. It's like, oh, you actually want to spend time with me. You, you actually, you're, I'm actually a priority for you because there's so many other things you could do with your time. But yeah, you're choosing to give it to me. You're choosing to spend it, you know, to spend it to me. If we have a surrogate and a partner who are time, giving them the gift of time, <laughs> you know, you know, giving them time to, you know, doing, doing stuff. Sometimes it can be, you can do tasks to give the gift of time. I have so many people who, who are like, oh yeah, I, I used to be time, but then I became a parent and I think I'm more tasks now. 
Yes. And it's like you're still time. You just want someone to do the tasks for you so you can get some time. You know, it, it's like tasks are now the gift of time. You know, mm. so it's it might be doing tasks so that that couple can have time together. I will just throw in a question that that did come up. Do love languages change at all? And if so, how often? Or are we pretty much geared? I think we're probably, yeah, like I don't don't know if there's been any research in this. We'd have to ask Mr Chapman. We'd have to go and ask Gary Chapman. So, uh, yeah, to see, I think they are fairly consistent over time. Mm. So, yeah, often, often people will be like, oh, I think mine have changed. But when when I actually explore it with them, it's more that they have adapted to their partner's love mm-hmm. language. Or you know, even, it, as you mentioned, it, with, with having kids, there's more mm-hmm. tasks often that, that come for many other people, um, but it could be things are a little bit merged together. Or, or they, they, they might be like, oh, no, I'm all of them. Yeah, that's because give all of them. You know, it's like, yeah, you can do them all and, and you've got a, people around you who who they give to you in their love language and, and you'll take anything. It's, it's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't care. I'll take it all. If you had a choice, what would you actually prefer? Mm-hmm. You know, and also what do you like to give? What, what do you naturally give? Yeah. Um, so if we have an intended parent who was, who was time, you know, a, a way of, again, where, you know, we're looking at how can we make them feel included, you know, and respected, you know, in, in their role as, as parents. You know, so it's making them a time priority in your day. You know, it's like I'm just, you know, going to check in with you. I'm going to give you some of my time, you know, to sort of check in on, on you know, touch base, give you an update on the pregnancy, let you know what's going on. You know, there might not be anything going on, but it's like I'm thinking of you. Okay, I'm thinking of you and I'm giving you that 10, 15 minutes, you know, in, in my busy, busy day. You know, as you notice on, on the slide, it's the same thing. You know, it's also like spending regular non-surrogacy time together, catch-ups, you know, come and meet my friends, you know, come out, you know, just come, come and spend some time with me. I am not time, okay? So uh, I always imagine if I was a surrogate and I had you know, intended parents who were time, it would be like my worst horror. You know, that they were like, oh, we just thought we'd come over and hang out. I'd be like, <laughs> no, like, I'll give you a list of jobs. Like, I am tasked. I'm like, come and do some work, you know, like, bring it on. You know, but it's like, oh, my God. It's like, what do you, what do you mean? We just spend time. Like, we're just, we're just hanging out, are we? Okay. Like, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, if it's not your love language, it's it's hard to fake it. In surrogacy, you need to put that effort in. You know, it's like if I was a surrogate and my intended parents were time, I would know that that was something that I needed to give them, to allow them, you know, to feel connected to me, you know, to allow them to hang out with me when I was pregnant because that was going to be meaningful for them. So, mm. you know, if you've got a, a quality time person, what are the things which make them feel unappreciated, changing plans at the last minute, running late. You know, it's really about wasting or not valuing their time, okay? It's like, you know, time is important, you know, uh, making other things or people a higher priority, you know, for how you how you spend your time. You know, it's like I really would like you to come and spend some time with me this weekend. Oh, hang on, I'll just check my diary. Oh, look, I've got a haircut, you know, and it's like I was going to go and, you know, take, you know, visit my neighbour because, yeah, they've just got a new puppy. And um, look, you know, I really want to sort of chill out a bit. It's like, can we make it next weekend? The time person is, is hearing I've got the whole weekend, but I would rather spend my time on all these other things than you. It's like, oh, okay, I can see where I come in your 
priorities. Whereas a task person might be like, oh yeah, haircut, doing that job, yo, getting that done, fixing that. Oh, totally. I totally get that you need to get that stuff done. Let me know when you've done it and come on over. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's the emotional meaning, you know, in the love languages, uh, you know, which is a significant thing here. Alrighty. So surrogacy, it's complex. <laughs> it's, it's a complex relationship. Everybody who does it says it was so much harder than I thought it was going to be. Love languages, you know, they are complex, you know, but they are important. If you pay attention to them, if you take that time to sort of find out each other's love languages and then find out the detail, what are things that are meaningful, you know, for each person within that. I gave examples. That is not the conclusive list. It's like if someone is a time person, you know, how does that play out meaningful, meaningfully for them? You know, if someone is a tasks person, uh, you know, how does that play out meaningfully for them? If someone is a touch person, how does that play out meaningfully for them? You know, what is that love language for them? If you have to, if you're in a relationship where you don't share a love language with someone, and many of you will you know, relate to this in your personal relationships, it's like you have to adapt. It might not be your default. It might not be what comes naturally for you, you know, but you might know that it's you know, something that your, your, your partner needs. The most common one you know, where that can play out in relationships is like where one person is touched and the other person isn't. You know, they're like, I know that they need hugs and kisses and cuddles. I know that they need it. I know that it's important for them. I could do without it, but it's their thing, so I give it to them, you know, or I let them cuddle up to me on a lounge. It's like I'd rather sit on the lounge, on the TV, watching TV, not being cuddled, but I know it's important to them, you know, so I give that to them. Same as in any relationship. Check in that you're getting it right, <laughs> you know, you know, particularly if it's, you know, it's, it's okay. It's like going, this is not my love language. Can I just check in that I am doing this right? It's like, oh, I'm doing it wrong, <laughs> you know, work in progress. So, and obviously do the love language, love language quiz because it's online, you know, fantastic that everybody did it before they came along here. Mm. So, all righty, we are running so on time. And I know we are nailing this one. Good work. So, yeah. So do we have any, any questions? So there's one there. So the question is, how do you deal with the complications of these love languages in practice? How would you manage when someone is feeling unseen by the other person, but the other person feels they have been giving everything that they can give? How do you foster an understanding of a different point of view? If one person feels that they're giving everything that they can give, but the other person is still not feeling it, how I, you then have to have an awkward conversation really together. Yeah, yeah. If we look at love languages as sort of communication, we have a communication issue. You know, we have one person who thinks that they have communicated and we've got another person going, I didn't receive it. You know, I didn't get it. You know, it's, it's really the, the same as in, in any relationship. You know, we need to sort of sit down and discuss it and listen to what the other person's saying. Again, I really hope I'm answering this, this question. You know, short answer, it can happen uh, if there's if there's a mismatch of, of love languages, highly likely to happen, you know, because it is the hardest thing is to act out, you know, like you know, do a love language which is not your natural one because it you're out of your comfort zone. You know, it takes conscious effort. It doesn't come intuitively and naturally. So you're likely to get it wrong. Yeah, and you might think that you're nailing it. You know, it's, it's like I'm always fascinated in surrogacy, you know, by 
the different stories I get. Let's say with, with practical stuff, it's like I might have one party saying, oh, yeah, we've been doing heaps, heaps of practical, you know, heaps of, of support. Yeah, we've been in lots and lots of, of, of practical support, you know, and then I listen to the other, other party and they're like, they haven't been doing anything. Let's say it's tasks, you know, it's, it's like if my love language isn't task, you know, it's like for me to do, for me to cook one meal, like that's huge. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing heaps, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, yeah, it's, it's like, you know, one, one meal a fortnight, like that was a big task for, for me to do that. Whereas the person who, who might be tasked on the receiving end of that, it's like, okay, that was nothing. One meal out of 14, that was, that was not, not a lot. That was, you know, a, a little bit. And my so kids it's really, like it's just, it's too spicy. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's, it's really just, yeah, resolving it the same as any relationship issue, but at least if you, if, if you have done the love languages quiz and you've got that framework of love languages, it gives you a framework for the conversation. It's like someone is dissatisfied. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a relationship issue here. It's like, going, is this a love languages issue? You know, I'm not feeling supported by you. I'm not feeling appreciated by you. Uh, it's like, but I'm doing all these things. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you know it, it's, it's like I am, I am turning myself inside out, you know, to make you feel supported and appreciated. It's like, can't you see it? They are difficult conversations to bring up, aren't they? Um, yeah. But that's probably where... Having these conversations as a team in the planning and having this sort of team culture of checking in with each other means you can check in and bring it back up with each other. It's like blaming it on the third party, blame it on Katrina, blame it on SAS, blame it on love languages. And you've got that framework to go, let's go back and talk about the love languages like we were told to do by Katrina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's like going, okay, they're not feeling supported and appreciated by me, or, you know, we're not feeling. Uh, you know, included in this pregnancy or respected in our, our role of pregnancies. It's like, ding, ding, ding. Hmm, could this be a love languages thing? You know, even though I think I'm doing it, I think I'm doing a great job at it because I'm using my love language. But then, like I was talking about, there can be that mismatch at the beginning, you know, where I think I'm doing a great job because I'm using my love language, but it's not quite hitting the mark, you know, for the other people. So even having that framework to sort of go, oh, this might yeah, this isn't actually, this is not an insult. You know, this this is just sort of like a tweak. This doesn't mean that I haven't been putting my effort in. This might just mean that I'm putting that amount of energy and effort in the wrong direction, you know, and if I put like 50% of that in the right direction, you know, it, 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 it might get a better result. Your uh, cup will overflow. <laughs> yeah. It's always funny how, yeah, sometimes one can look like the other. If we have a time person who likes giving tokens, it's often about the time spent thinking about the token, the time spent preparing the token, the time spent shopping for the token, the time spent making the token. Yeah, I I actually, yeah, really enjoyed, you know, the time I put into this token. Tasks, again, that's the gift of time. It's like, yeah, I will, again, I will give you my time, you know, to do a task. I'm actually giving you my time and I'm doing a task in it, you know, Mm -hmm. but I'm actually giving you the gift of time for yourself, you know, by taking that task off you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Does that make sense, Sarah? You asked that one? Looks like it does. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, So anything else? Yes, one's come through. Um, if there is distance between the IPs and surrogate, what are some strategies that can be used to support the team? 
Oh, good question. Good question. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so often uh, if there's sort of distance, you know, if everybody's talk, you're winning, okay? Yeah, talk travels the distance. Talk travels. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Time can travel the distance because then it's like, well, yeah, let's do, let's have a Zoom. Yeah, let's have a FaceTime. Like let's have a, a regular catch up. Let's prioritise spending some time together. Sometimes, yeah, tokens can, can be used across distance. I wish I could be there to sort of spend time with you. I wish I could be there to do tasks for you. Here, have a, to- have a token for a massage. You know, it's here. <laughs> Go and get yourself something nice. You know, it's a substitute for sort of time or, or tasks. Even in, in couples in ro- romantic relationships, you know, if their relationship goes long distance, you know, often they'll, they'll say, you know, we sort of didn't have that touch, you know, so we sort of, yeah, sort of substituted pork or, or something like that told each other how much we missed hugging each other or something like that but it was you know it was so sometimes yeah they can be in the, in that same way that tasks can be the gift of time sometimes yeah things long distance it's like I wish I could be there to give this to you but I'm going to use this one instead or yeah. sort of being creative with that mm. yeah yeah, that's good. I know of one yeah. team that they have a, a regular FaceTime where they uh, cook dinner together, particularly, I guess, if the surrogate's not time, but recognises mm. the need to stay connected, that mm. I've got kids, I can't just sit down and spend an hour with you, yeah. but what about we put each other on FaceTime in our own homes at dinner time and we're cooking and talking and then you could sit yeah, and yeah. we all eat dinner together. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. Sort of the virtual virtual dinner party and stuff. Yeah. So, but it doesn't. The surrogate doesn't have to just stop her life to have that happen. They can get on with and seeing the chaos that is is a family life too. Family dinner time. Yeah, yeah bath yeah. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Read the kids a bedtime story. I was just going to suggest that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. On on FaceTime or something like that. Yeah. It's like, oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, like you know, keep my kids entertained with something. Or it can be yeah, like sending a, a gift basket. You know, sending sort of like popcorn and get a movie here's some popcorn you know it's like you know like create a family movie night or something like that like let's give you a night in a family night in or something like that so Mm. um covid created creativity for surrogacy teams but just families i know my mum would sometimes facetime the kids and have half an hour with each kid and took them around you know the kids just showed her things in their bedroom or outside and i knew i had that hour you know she's like (laughs) she's like go away go make your coffee go um, yeah, so yeah. Of time there. So thinking oh. back to what we all did in COVID and how we kept in touch with friends and family can come into play here for long distance teams too. Yeah, because would she have otherwise given you sort of like babysitting time? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. So she was like, okay, I know how important this is for, yeah, the mum to get a break. Yeah, I'm still going to give that to her instead of going, mm. oh, bad luck. COVID I couldn't I couldn't babysit anymore it's like yes. going, you know, it's like I will take them off your hands that's what it was yeah, yeah. yeah depending on the age of the kids of course yeah that was really helpful yeah yeah so, well I reckon we've probably covered most things here shall we wrap it up absolutely thank you everyone for attending thanks for your enthusiasm and, and uh, participation it's been fantastic thank you for sharing your time with me for this episode if you're finding these episodes helpful please share them with friends If you'd like to see the images mentioned, head to our YouTube channel for all of the recordings. 
If you're looking for more individualised support, consider joining SAS, Surrogacy Australia's support service, so you can be connected with a mentor and also with me to help guide you on a journey. You might think of me as your Siri for surrogacy. Until next time, welcome to the village.